Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pickin' and Puttin'. This week's episode here with uh, Liberty Bill from Libertyville. Only he lives in Charlotte now. And Doc Z here. I'm wearing my WrestleMania 22 hat. Not sure why. I thought we'd get down and dirty today, so I figured we, we needed to have some excitement. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. I was wondering what that hat was. I kind of thought it was a UNC hat, but WrestleMania, that is pretty legit. Yeah, isn't it cool? It, it, it's a little uh, weird on the shape and stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know why they put white on white, but whatever. It's a trend. And actually, believe it or not, this was at the the um, in Chicago. Oh, at the Rosemont Horizon. Yeah, it was at the Rosemont Horizon. Yeah, and it rained, but I took my son and we had a great time. So it was pretty cool. Well, what do you want to talk about this week? I got some cool stuff. I want to talk about a guy named Mo Norman, but we want to talk, cover the World Series, the Bears, and the and the the uh, Panthers. We got a lot of stuff we can talk about. Where do you want to start? Yeah. Let's start with Mo. Mo Norman. Mo. Well, see, Mo Norman is this cool guy. So I started looking this stuff up because I'm actually trying the technique. And what it is is, you know how Bryson DeChambeau is using the same length clubs and he stands real straight and he looks a certain way? Well, Mo Norman was who he's copying. And this guy was a Canadian that was born in the late 20s, died in like 2004. And he was an amazing ball striker. And he had this repetitive swing. And as people found out later, he probably was Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man dude, mm. because he would repeat everything twice. Remember how Rain Man not gonna not gonna crash, not gonna Qantas not gonna crash, not gonna crash. So he would repeat everything twice, but he could stand on the range and hit drivers, and he would hit fifteen hundred drivers in a row, and they would all land within within fifteen or twenty yards of the same spot in a straight line. Uh, and so his technique is 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 well known, and there's a guy named Todd Graves that's teaching it online, and so, uh, uh, and that's where the physics of DeChambeau comes in. It's it looks almost if you look at it, it 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 looks like a baseball. Well, you know how Bryson looks. It, it doesn't look pretty. <laughs> no, no, no. But this guy, this guy is just, and and you got to go back and look at him. He had he had teeth that went every direction. He wore plaids and stripes. But he had he had like five or six course records. He shot two fifty nines, three sixty ones, won the Canadian Amateur twice. The best story I got, I got to tell you, and we'll move through him. But the best story was so they came to this hole, and he was playing an exhibition match with Sam Snead. And the water was two hundred forty yards out, and Sam says, "Well, he pulls out his driver," and Sam says, "Well." There's water out there at 240, you know. He says, not a problem. He sets up, and Sam lays up short, and he sets up and aims his ball and hits it across. It bounces across the bridge. <laughs> That's how accurate he was. He hit it to the other side. The other story about him that's great, he was playing in a, he played in a, in a Canadian PGA event, and he came in second because he four-putted the, the last hole. So the next week, he comes out and he's playing and he comes to a par three. It's 223 yards. And this reporter comes up to him and he says, any four putts, going to be any four putts today, Mo? Mo looks at the reporter and goes, 
tees his ball up, doesn't say anything, hits the ball and turns and walks towards the guy and says, not putting today. And he made a hole in one. <laughs> not putting today. Not putting today. Hit a hole in one. I mean, it's it's just an amazing story. It's a fun one for people to go look up. I, I uh, It's more like it, it's just the story of somebody who uh, – it was kind of neat as his career went on. By the time he got to the end, that the the tour players realized what a great ball striker he was, and so they tried to figure out why he was so good. And and Wally Uline, whose son now plays a tour, Peter Uline, I think his name is, um, for Titleist, who's a CEO of Titleist, and he's he came to Mo. Mo was still at that point in the late nineties, was living out of a trailer. I mean, he, he drove wow. out of a car. He, he was just that kind of person. Never had any money, you know, anything. So Mr. Uline gave him $5,000 a life for life to be a representative for Titleist. So $60,000 a year. And he, so he took care of him. And Mo said, why are you giving me all that money? He said, oh, you, you've done more for us than I, you know, anybody could do. Because they, they took his techniques and they worked with him in the Iron Byron and that kind of stuff. So. And I was going to ask that in relation to Bryson, what was Moe's advancement in the equipment aspects of the game? And I'm hearing definitely on the golf ball, I'm wondering from a club standpoint with Bryson experimenting now with a 48 inch driver and with his irons all being the same length, I'm wondering if Moe did anything in terms of advancements equipment wise. Well, I'm not sure. Cobra is the one who does, um, Bryson's clubs out of Carlsbad, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you look back and look and study what Mo was in his swing. It would it would go for baseball, tennis, or whatever. He has this repetitive swing, so he doesn't have any breakdown, any breaking down parts. So that's why it makes total sense when you hear this one man teach about it, Todd Graves, because what he does is. He uses the same swing every time. Think about golf. How many of us go out with a driver and swing differently than a wedge with a oh, five yes. iron? Okay. But his swing was the same swing with a driver. The only thing he did with a shorter iron is he would narrow. He had the same length because he had the same swing. He'd stand up real straight, real wide stance was because he would just narrow his stance with shorter irons. And the reason was the more loft you have on a club, then when you come into contact to hit the ball on the face, your hands have to be forward so that the that the the face of the golf club, let me say, face of the golf club then comes square at the bottom and you hit the ball here. Otherwise, you'd be hitting the ball here. So that was the only thing. He would narrow his stance so that – but he, his – from his shoulder to the club was a straight line always throughout his whole swing. And he went pretty much shoulder to shoulder. He didn't, you know, it wasn't pretty. Go look him <laughs> up. Everybody out there in yeah, YouTube land, look him up. It's kind of an interesting swing to think. Oh. I don't know. He's just a he's a great character of sports. And uh, you know, I, I mean, thinking of that, we got let's get into some baseball. What do you, what do you oh. think? I, I said this series. I mean, you know, it looking. I everyone's going Kershaw folds again. You know. Well, we're here on Friday recording, so I still think the Dodgers could potentially come back. I'm not going to write them off. 
No. And I do. First of all, I'm going to rant a little bit about the casual fans out there. I love you. You come, you watch the playoff games, you don't watch everything else, and you come up with these grand conclusions. First of all, on Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. They leave him in too long. They did it again last night. That's not his fault. And a couple of those runs scored after he'd left the game. Yes, he let them on base, but they continued to leave him on. You cannot take small samples from playoff games and draw grand conclusions. Clayton Kershaw is the greatest pitcher of my generation and one of the greatest pitchers of all time. His team has come up short in the postseason. Both of those things can be true, and it's okay. So Stephen A. Smith and all you hot takers out there, save your content because it's complete garbage. And then number two, the other thing I hear that I really have to get off my chest is in October, you got to bunt. You got to steal bases. You got to hit and run. You got to get the the runners over. You got to play small ball. That is total BS. In the history of Major League Baseball, 70% of teams that hit more home runs win more playoff games. Since 2010, that number's up to 80%. In these playoffs, we've had 32 games. 28 of those 32 games have been won by the team with more home runs. You win playoff games by hitting home runs, pure and simple. So, yeah, it can be a little tough to watch when there's not a lot of action. There's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of home runs. But please, spare me the garbage takes. Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher of the generation, and home runs win playoff games. Well, they just – I mean, they come back, you know, thinking Billy Bean. That's another story going to soccer. But they come back and they – you know, they're always throwing up – I was watching this morning, and they're throwing up the ERA, you know, his – Seasonal ERA for his career is like 2.6, 2.6, and then his NLCS ERA is 5.64 or something like that. So they come up there, and that's the numbers they throw at you. But you're right. It's totally a small sample, and it's due to managerial uh, techniques. And it's also the way baseball has evolved now where, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this, where they bring in literally uh, – who was the team this year? They bring in, they brought in relievers to start so they could bring yep. in their starters to relieve yep. to get them through the strength of the order and get to the third or fourth inning and bring in, bring in Clayton in the fourth inning as a reliever. And yep. I thought, man, that's really changing the game there. And that's what's been really unique about this postseason versus last year or really any other year because there's no off days in these league championship series. So if the series goes seven, you're going to have seven games in a row with no off days. Last year, the Nationals won the World Series with four pitchers pitching over two-thirds of the innings, three starters and one reliever. Can't do that. That's why I'm still not going to write off the Dodgers. They have more depth than the Braves. The Braves have that young swagger, but the Dodgers do have the depth. Clayton Kershaw should have been pulled. Every starting pitcher pretty much should be pulled after you go through the order two times. The data says that that third time that batter sees you, especially those batters at the top of the order, which are the best hitters in the lineup, they're going to have success. And the Dodgers have a deep bullpen. Dave Roberts has made this mistake multiple times before. I'm not a big fire managers, fire coaches guy, but if the Dodgers lose this series, I don't think Dave Roberts is going to survive. And I think that's justified. No, I agree. They should have pulled him. Yeah. Hey, off the subject real quick. So you were sending me thing, Arzenga? Arozenia. Arozenia. Okay. So just an interesting aside to him. Did you notice I read I read the article about him in the um uh oh 
you know. Oh, that, was, that was Eno Saris of The Athletic that wrote Yeah, that. The Athletic. Thank you. Give him a plug. So the deal was they were talking about he stands more upright, higher hands. Thinking of, uh, oh, by the way, shout out to Joe Morgan. He was the greatest of a generation with this. <laughs> and he held the bat real high. And I was reading that, and I'm thinking that's kind of the Bo Normanish kind of thing to baseball because it's all about they have to get – when you're hitting a driver, you got to hit it on the upswing. The great drivers, the long ball hitters, they hit it. You and I come down, they come up. Well, that's what the baseball – that's what these great teachers are teaching these kids now for what you said. They've got to be able to get an upward swing to hit home run balls. They don't want them hitting grounders anymore. They want them hitting – fly balls that that was total aside but i just got me thinking it's the launch angle revolution we're seeing in baseball golf we're even seeing in hockey they're trying to elevate the puck more on their shots to get it it all about that to get it in the upper corners yep but the unique thing about arozania and why he's having so much success is to counteract all this launch angle so all these uppercut batters pitchers are just throwing high heat so it's really hard to get on top of that high heat. And then after you've seen a few of those, they're coming at you with low sliders. But Arozania's hitting profile, for whatever reason, he crushes high fastballs and low sliders. So right now, he is zigging when everybody else is zagging and having a ton of success. They're a really fun team. I'd like to give a shout-out to their first baseman. He looks like he's about 400 pounds. His name is D-Man Choi. He's, he had a home run last night. He can hardly run, but man, he play, he's like a cat at first base, just a giant fat cat. He catches everything. He hits the ball hard. And then the Rays bullpen, you go in and look at the names and then look at the faces while they're pitching. They all look like third grade math teachers. They all have these nondescript names. They don't look like athletes, but the Rays somehow piece it together. What a fun team. I, I, I hope they win it all. Well, don't you think, don't you think, uh, thinking about the pitching, that that may be where they go now. If you're a pitching coach, maybe you're teaching the guys to work on uh, low and away sliders, fastballs in the lower corners of the strike zone. I mean, they got to do they they got to do something yep. so, to come back after them. So, and I don't know if it's uh, you know you go back to the knuckleballers and the guys like that, but uh, I don't know. There should be more of that to I don't mix know if it's it up. Ball or slide, slider may be the way to go. Uh, I, you know. Well, this weekend we got the Bears playing the Panthers, and uh, you know you got your Bears hat on. I I don't have any Panther stuff here, but uh, I don't know. I I the the uh, it's an inter- I don't know. I still don't believe in the Bears, and I'm a Bears fan. You know, I lived there like you grew up there. I don't. I'm still not sure. I don't know if it's because I'm not buying into Foles, Trubisky thing. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And the Panthers, the Panthers, I think are actually better than sold. Um, this quarterback fits fits the OC's, uh, the offensive coordinator's uh, program. He's a great passer of the ball. He really is. He's, he's accurate. He's just like that's why he did so well in New Orleans. He just fit right into Drew Brees' backup because that's what Drew Brees does. He throws darts, and Tony uh, uh, Bridgewater does the same thing here. Um, I guess it's the defensive side of the ball, you know. That uh, oh, the other thing that the Panthers got is this wide receiver number eleven. Um, 
Robbie Anderson, who the Jets yeah. just let walk away because the Jets are the Jets. Yeah. And you see where the running back went? That LaDavian Bell? Oh, yes, the Chiefs. The Chiefs. I mean, I, I read that this morning, and I'm going, well, you know what? They've been talking to Bill Belichick or what? <laughs> so they get the Jets to pay him, and they get him on a freebie for a year. Yep, that is a Patriots move. Uh, it's a Patriots move. And uh, and he'll he'll lock right into their system and do probably do fine for them. And he'll, he'll, he'll probably got a shot at a Super Bowl. He'd be stupid to open his mouth. Yep. No, I think that'll work out well. But getting back to the Bears, you're absolutely right. I just looked this up while we were talking. Analytically, there's the stat DVOA that just basically normalizes teams across all eras, all the way back to 1985. The Bears are the second worst four-in-one team since 1985, according to that analytic. So they've beaten some bad teams. They're not great. And when we look at the storylines this weekend, the Bears should have signed Teddy Bridgewater. Instead, they traded for Nick Foles. And Nick Foles is basically a worse, well, he's a better version of Trubisky. The higher, the highs are higher, but the lows are lower. Yeah. So Foles will make some passes that just, you don't even know who he's intending it for. But then he'll fit it into double coverage in a tight window 40 yards downfield. It's going to be an interesting game. The key for the Panthers, though, Kwan Short is out again. If you recall last year when they lost him, that run defense specifically fell off a cliff and never really recovered. I do think that's going to be an issue for the Panthers. And I actually, I think the Bears are going to win pretty handily on Sunday. Don't think the Bears are a great team. But don't think the Panthers are a great team either. And that K1 short injury is going to be tough to overcome. No, I, Teddy well, Bridgewater, man, that was a good signing. Yeah, well, I think I think in all in in the Panthers, you know, in the Panthers pantheon of whatever, I think they're already overachieving. Yeah, and I think most people in this market would have said that, that live in the South would have said, well, okay, after all this turnover and Tepper came the owner and cleaned house, that they would have a uh, you know, I, I would have, if you'd asked me, I'd have said three to five games. Yep. Well, now I'm betting they're probably eight and 18. And uh, that's pretty Could sneak good. into the playoffs. That's pretty good for, well, all they need to do is go play the NFC East. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> that's that's a whole nother crap shoot, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, well, and I agree with you. I think the thing that's going to happen there where the rate limiting step there too with Foles is he, he's been, you know, injury prone. Um, so yep. if he, and I, and I'm not sure what the injuries have been, but if he gets hurt. Well, he's just fearless. He'll stand in the pocket until three guys are collapsing on him and hold on to the ball. He just gets crushed back there. Yeah. I think in terms of Mitchell, I think he, I think it's the same thing with all these guys. When I was growing up, this is the interesting thing to, to your era versus my era. Guys like a Mitchell Trubisky, he wouldn't even be on the field this year. He'd be backing up Brett Favre for five years, and then he'd get his chance, and then they'd come out, and they'd be at, at least a good quarterback or serviceable. Now you either got to be the kid from the Chargers, who's obviously going to be a superstar if he doesn't get hurt, because he can throw the ball like 70 yards, Yep, or – See, I I I feel for the guy like the Jets guy. 
And I feel for the kid who's at the Redskins. You know, they're coming out after three years and they throw a bunch of money at them and they're just not ready. Um, and Most of them are not. He, like Baker Mayfield. Now, he's finally starting to look better, but getting thrown into it. it. And Mitch only started, as you know, for one year in college. Well, what is this? Year four for Baker? Yeah, this is year five, I believe, for Baker. I mean, let's face it. If you and I got together and we were the GM of a, of a team, Here's what I'm drafting. Guard center tackles. Yeah. And give me Greg Olson and then I'll put anybody behind him. I mean, that, you know, have one kind of receiver like that. And they seem to do it in reverse. They have to get the the show pony first and then he gets just killed. <laughs> Did they kill him? So, no, well, I, we'll, we'll see. Look at the I, Chiefs. The Chiefs did it the other way. They built a great team and then drafted a quarterback. That's the way to do it. Yeah, but they also have a generational quarterback. Yeah, they do. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he, he to me, is he's already Hall of Fame if he plays eight years. Yeah, and, he, he could be the, the best I'll ever see. I mean, I remember the two players I went, oh, was when I went with my own son and I first time I ever saw Luke Keekley take the field, I go, Hall of Famer if he plays eight years, seven years. And and if he, to me, he is a Hall of Famer. I, yep. I just, I don't know. Um, the only other one I ever saw was – I blank on his name. Quarterback for Ohio State 20 years ago, and he, was about, he played wide receiver in the league for a while. They turned him from quarterback to wide receiver. And he was about 6'6", and he took the ball and ran in. I think when, when they won the national championship against Miami back in the early 2000s, and he ran from the 10-yard line into the end zone in like three steps. I said, whoa. This guy's good. Terrell Pryor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you bring him up. If he was entering the league right now with the way NFL offensive have finally adapted in the last five years, I think he might actually stick at quarterback. Yeah. Well, they, like weren't, the, they weren't there yet when he entered the league. Yeah. Same, same with the guy out of Texas. Vince Young. Yeah, yeah well, he had Vince. some spending lifestyle issues, too. But yeah. really, Terrell Pryor was good. Yeah, Vince Young was the arch sleester of this generation, I guess. And you don't even know who you don't <laughs> even know who arch sleester is. You'll have to I've look. I've got homework. This. You'll have to do your homework. But he was a, he was a great quarterback in the 70s and uh, and got into gambling and everything else and kind of ruined his life. But uh, that's a whole nother side. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother episode. Whole nother episode. Well, anything else you want to pound down? We'll we'll see this weekend. I mean, I I I I still uh, hear you about the Dodgers, but three one. We'll see what we talk about the next time we're with you. Who who it was? But it, if you tell me it's the Braves and the Rays, I'll. It would still it'd be fun. It'd be fun. oh, that'll be a lot. Those are two really fun teams. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's fun this year with baseball is the only other sport, pro sport that's had that is hockey, where an eight seed could actually win the Stanley Cup. You know, usually, I mean, like in the NBA, we turn around and at the beginning of this year, you would have said, "Okay, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, you know, L.A." And I would have guessed Boston. Oh well, I would or, or Milwaukee. Yeah, certainly not Miami. I certainly wasn't Miami, so that was out. Of, that was out of the blue, but uh, baseball, 
baseball, you know, everybody's been on the Dodgers all year, so we'll see. You know, they'll probably come back and, and blow them off doors off today. And then they get it. If you get a game seven, then all bets are off. Same with the Astros. You know, they're coming back. So as a person who roots for chaos, I'm hoping for two game sevens. Well, I did. I did a couple things and I forgot to give a sh- my shout out. And my shout out was to Terrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton won last week at the BMW Championship. Yeah. In London. and. He flew across eight time zones to get to Las Vegas on Tuesday, and he shot 65 as a leader after round one of the C.J. Bridges thing. I'm going, he doesn't even know where the hell he is. You know, <laughs> he's, probably, he's still probably still drinking red wine from the last win. So, you know, whatever. That's really, that is really impressive. Right, shout out to you, Terrell, for doing that. Okay, my quote of the week, and this is from an unknown person. Don't know who this guy is. But he says, every day, every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day. And that's, oh, a good, yeah. that's a good thing to take away. You know, you always got to have a high point in every day. So all you listeners out there, subscribe, click on it. Hey, promo the golf show. Golf shop show, Saturday mornings, 8 to 10, or golfshopshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of good stuff. We're getting ready for the Masters. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a plug for that. I wrote a I wrote a blog about the Masters already that'll appear next week. Uh, it's on a website called atmymbcoaches.com, but I wrote about the Masters and look for my video, two-minute video on the Masters. I'm all ready for the rites of spring in the fall. <laughs> so we'll we'll look forward to, we'll look forward to seeing you guys. Enjoy it, Liberty Bill. We'll have to do it again in a few weeks. We'll see how the series go. Good luck, Bears. Not really. And uh, <laughs> thanks for having me as always. Yeah, yeah we enjoyed it. We be picking and yeah, we be putting. Have a good day, folks. <laughs>